Welcome to SNC's Critical Insights. I'm Annie Ostrager, a partner in the firm's litigation group and one of the co-heads of our labor and employment group. With me today is my partner, Diane McGimsey, who also co-heads our labor and employment group and is a member of the firm's litigation group in California. Last fall, Diane and I, along with our partners, Julia Malkina, Judd Littleton, and Morgan Ratner, discussed two Supreme Court decisions addressing the scope of the Federal Arbitration Act, Viking River Cruises v. Moriana, and Southwest Airlines v. Saxon. Today, Diane and I are going to discuss two recent decisions from the Second and Ninth Circuits as a follow-up to that earlier podcast. As part of our conversation, we'll describe preemption and Section 1 of the FAA, and we'll highlight potential implications of these two circuit decisions. With that, Diane, can you kick us off with a brief overview of the FAA and a recap on Viking River? Sure. Thanks, Annie. It's good to be back with you to talk more about the Federal Arbitration Act and implications for arbitration provisions in employment contracts. Briefly, the FAA generally requires federal courts to enforce arbitration agreements, although Section 1 of the FAA exempts employment contracts for seamen railroad employees, or any other class of workers engaged in foreign or interstate commerce. In Viking River Cruises, the plaintiff employee asserted claims on behalf of herself and other employees under the California Private Attorney General Act, or PAGA. But the plaintiff's employment agreement required her to arbitrate any employment-related dispute and to waive her right to assert class, collective, or representative PAGA claims in arbitration. The Supreme Court held that the FAA preempted a California rule that PAGA actions could not be divided into individual and non-individual claims, meaning that the plaintiff could be required to arbitrate her individual PAGA claims. The Supreme Court hypothesized that that in turn would mean that plaintiff no longer had standing to raise the representative claims in court, although the question of whether California courts will determine that an individual can no longer raise such representative claims is still an open question. Annie, can you recap the Saxon decision? Yes. At issue in Saxon was whether an airline ramp supervisor fits within the meaning of the listed exemptions in Section 1 that you just covered. The court explained that workers who load and unload goods from vehicles that travel in interstate commerce are covered by the transportation worker exemption because they're intimately involved in the transportation or commerce of those goods. The court therefore held that the arbitration provision was unenforceable. Thanks, Annie. For a more in-depth discussion of those two Supreme Court cases, please listen to our September episode. And with that background in mind, let's turn now to two recent circuit courts of appeal decisions, beginning with the Second Circuit. On February 15th, in declining to rehear the case en banc, the Second Circuit issued a set of opinions in Bissonnette v. LePage Bakeries, which is directly implicated by the Saxon decision. For background, in that case, the plaintiffs entered into a distribution agreement with Flowers Food, Inc., a holding company for many subs, including LePage Bakeries. 
The agreement granted plaintiffs the right to deliver baked goods, including breads, buns, and rolls, to stores and restaurants within their geographic territories in Connecticut, and importantly for this discussion, included a provision requiring arbitration. So what was the specific issue with the arbitration requirement? The issue is whether the plaintiffs were transportation workers within the meaning of Section 1 of the FAA. The initial Second Circuit opinion in Bissonnette came down last year in May of 2022 on appeal from an order from the District Court of Connecticut, which compelled arbitration. The Second Circuit panel affirmed and held that plaintiffs are not transportation workers, even though they drive trucks, because they're in the bakery industry, not the transportation industry. The opinion, authored by Judge Jacobs, articulated a charges and revenues-focused test and concluded that an individual works in a transportation industry if the industry in which the individual works pegs its charges chiefly to the movement of goods or passengers and the industry's predominant source of commercial revenue is generated by that movement. The Second Circuit held that because the plaintiffs charged for the baked goods, the transportation was incidental and the plaintiffs were in the baked goods industry, not the transportation industry, and therefore not excluded from arbitration under the FAA. Judge Pooler dissented, rejecting Judge Jacobs' charges and revenues test and reasoning that the plaintiffs are commercial truck drivers who deliver the defendants' packaged baked goods to supermarkets and retail outlets in Connecticut. The Supreme Court issued Saxon the month after the Bissonnette decision, and the plaintiffs promptly moved for a rehearing, arguing that the panel's decision conflicted with the Supreme Court's decision in Saxon. How did the Supreme Court's decision impact the Second Circuit decision? The Second Circuit panel did reconsider Bissonnette in light of Saxon, but ultimately adhered to its original ruling, which affirmed the district court order compelling arbitration. In a panel opinion issued following reconsideration, Judge Jacobs again invoked the charges and revenues focused test and reasoned that even under Saxon, not everyone who works in the transportation industry is a transportation worker and concluded that plaintiffs do not work in the transportation industry and so are not excluded from arbitration under the FAA. And Judge Pooler again dissented from the amended panel opinion? She did, continuing to take issue with the majority's conception of the right test and arguing that the plaintiffs were properly characterized as transportation workers and concluding that the majority was ignoring Saxon. Judge Pooler emphasized that Saxon dictated a different result than the one reached by the majority because it directed focus on the actual work that the members of the class typically carry out, which she concluded was transportation work, even though the goods they deliver are baked goods. But the story doesn't end there, I take it? That's right. After the panel issued the amended opinion on September 26, 2022, the plaintiffs moved for rehearing on Bonk on October 12, 2022. A poll of the court was conducted on whether to rehear the case on Bonk, but the petition for rehearing was denied on February 15, 2023. 
So even though rehearing wasn't granted, it looks like the court was divided over whether to reconsider Bissonnette. Yes, that's right. Judges Nathan Robinson and Perez issued a dissent from the denial of rehearing, and judges Jacobs and Pooler continued to disagree with one another on what Saxon requires in opinions that they issued. Pooler continued to characterize the plaintiffs as truckers and not as members of the bakery industry, and she incited Saxon and explained that in her view, the majority ignored Saxon's instruction to analyze the actual work that the members of the class carry out. Judge Pooler encouraged the plaintiffs to seek a writ of cert to remedy what she saw as the Second Circuit's misunderstanding of the FAA and Saxon. Judge Jacobs, however, framed the Saxon test differently, explaining that the actual work carried out by the members of a class is analyzed to determine who within a transportation industry qualifies as a transportation worker. He argued that the prime error that has been rejected in this en banc poll is to skip the question of whether the plaintiffs work in the transportation industry and to consider only whether they move things about. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out, since the plaintiffs are almost certain to file a cert petition. Yes, agreed. And we'll continue to monitor any further developments. But now, let's turn to the other decision we're covering under the FAA, which was decided by the Ninth Circuit on February 15th. Can you tell us about that case, Diane? Sure. So recently, a divided Ninth Circuit panel issued a long-awaited decision in Chamber of Commerce v. Bonta, which held that the FAA preempts a California law prohibiting employers from requiring mandatory arbitration of certain claims as a condition of employment or the receipt of employment benefits. The legislature characterized the law as being designed to prevent forced arbitration But the Ninth Circuit held that the state law impermissibly burdened the formation of an arbitration agreement and reversed an earlier decision from the same panel that had upheld the law. The law was a bit quirky in that in an attempt to avoid FAA preemption, it criminalized forced arbitration in contract formation, but left alone the agreements once actually executed. You mentioned that the Ninth Circuit reversed its earlier decision in this case. Can you tell us a little bit more about the procedural history here? Sure. So in December 2019, a coalition of business groups sought an injunction against enforcement of the law on FAA preemption grounds. Three months later, a judge in the Eastern District of California issued a preliminary injunction prohibiting AB 51 from taking effect, and the state appealed to the Ninth Circuit. The issue before the court was whether the FAA preempts a state rule that discriminates against the formation of an arbitration agreement, even if that agreement is ultimately enforceable. What did the Ninth Circuit hold at that time? In September of 2021, Judge Lucero wrote the Ninth Circuit panel's opinion, holding that the restrictions set forth by AB 51 are valid, but could not be enforced if an unlawful agreement was entered into. Judge Ikuda dissented, arguing that the holding meant that an employer's attempt to enter into an arbitration agreement with employees is unlawful, but a completed attempt is lawful. The plaintiffs filed a petition for rehearing, but the Ninth Circuit deferred ruling on the petition pending the Supreme Court's decision in Viking River Cruises. 
after the Viking River Cruises decision was handed down, a majority of the panel voted sua sponte to grant panel rehearing. And roughly six months later, in a majority decision written by Judge Ikuda this time, the Ninth Circuit issued a ruling upholding the district court's injunction against AB 51. Diane, tell us a little about the panel's reasoning. The court relied heavily on two Supreme Court precedents, Doctors Associates, Inc. versus Casaroto and Kindred Nursing Centers Limited Partnership versus Clark, and reasoned that the FAA is focused not only on enforcement of arbitration agreements, but also on their initial validity. And the state rules that burden the formation of arbitration agreements, just like state rules that preclude the enforcement of arbitration agreements, are an obstacle to the FAA. And what about the dissent? Judge Lucero, who drafted the panel's original opinion in this case, emphasized in his dissent that the FAA is focused on the enforcement of consensual written arbitration agreements and was not intended to preempt laws like AB 51 that merely required agreements to arbitrate to be voluntary. So let's conclude by touching on a few important implications from these decisions. As for AB 51, although we wouldn't be surprised to see a cert petition in this case either, Given that the Ninth Circuit upheld the injunction, we expect that California employers who had temporarily gotten rid of their arbitration agreements will be revising those policies. The Saxon and Bissonnette decisions left things a little less clear, though. Yes, I agree. But although there's no clear answer here, in light of the shifting landscape and continued judicial scrutiny of arbitration agreements, clients may wish to re-examine existing agreements in light of these decisions in order to ensure employees' work is characterized properly and that existing agreements comply with the law. Thank you for listening to SNC Critical Insights. For more information about our practice, please visit us on the web at www.soulcrom.com. Mm-hmm.